Couple Advisory Solutions is an SEC-registered investment advisor and only transacts business in states where the firm is properly registered or is excluded or exempt from registration requirements. I wish that our stock market were as honest as every casino I go into. The gambling propensity is strong in people to do mathematically unintelligent things. Welcome to Libel on Fire with Libel Sternbach, the financial independence and retirement show dedicated to helping you build the life of your dreams as fast as possible with as little stress as possible. Libel Sternbach is the author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Libel's advice has been featured in countless publications, including Reader's Digest, USA Today, Yahoo Finance, CNN Business, Investment News, and and Market Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Libel on Fire. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Libel on Fire. I'm Freddie Bell with Libel Sternbach. He's Amazon's best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. He's an accredited portfolio management advisor, an enrolled agent with the IRS. He's a National Social Security Association advisor certificate holder and our chartered financial consultant, a CFC, through the College of Financial Services, and he has passed his Series 65 and is a life and annuity licenses holder. And there's a lot more I can say about libel. And again, welcome. I am indeed in the presence of greatness. Oh, that's nice of you to say. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about elder abuse and dating scams. We have friends with uh, AARP who all talk about the different types of elder abuse and dating scams. What are your thoughts on the prevalence of these crimes in retirement communities? And is it more that we're looking at it or are these types of instances on the rise? We are definitely seeing a massive increase in in financial crimes. And I I would say definitely, and I don't have data specifically, but I think that there's been a significant increase uh, or a disproportionate increase for retirees just because they're the most vulnerable. Um, they're over, over COVID, it was like, you know, everyone, everyone started working from home and the hackers and scammers just <laughs> came out of the woodworks and, you know, went at it. So more time on their hands to do more dastardly deeds? That's certainly one way of putting it. I mean, they 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 completely ramped up um, the efforts they were putting out and and the level of sophistication of the types of scams that they're doing. It used to be, you know, pretty easy to spot a scam. You know, you get those uh, emails saying, you know, I'm Prince from Nigeria and I need help. And everyone knew they were a scam. But lately, the emails that I've been seeing make me second guess whether they are legitimate or not. And they've they the social engineering and the steps they take to prove that they're real is incredible. Everybody, we're talking with Libel Sternbach today, and we're talking about elder abuse and dating scams. So what do you think is the best way, Libel, to protect yourself from becoming a victim of elder abuse or dating scams? I that It is a really good question. What's the best way to protect yourself? I I think that it's the same thing that you would do in anything in life, right? It's you got to always ask yourself the question, does this actually make sense? It is what I'm doing. You know, if it doesn't smell right, it doesn't feel right, then it probably isn't right. 
And you, you just, you got to double check yourself and make sure that what you're doing is a hundred percent correct. And I think that one of the, one of the easiest ways just to kind of, you know, check yourself and know like, you know, Hey, is this legit or not? Is just ask somebody else. If you keep, you know, the people who are close to you, you just keep them in the loop when you're doing something like this or when you, you develop a new relationship with someone. And especially if they start asking for money or they ask you to start doing favors for them, right? Just talk about it with family. Talk about it with your advisors. Talk about it with your accountant. Because in talking about it with other people, either you're going to realize that what you're saying doesn't sound right, or you're going to see in their reactions that they're going to be like, this is not okay. This is not normal behavior. Um, and it's easy to get caught up in the kind of the emotional construct and the whole little world that these scammers create for you. Um, so you need to, the easiest way to not get caught up in a scam is to allow the outside world in. Libel, what advice, if any, would you give to someone, someone who is considering dating online? So... I, I have lots of great things to say for dating online. I, I mean, I met my wife online. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and she, she actually rejected me on one website, <laughs> website and said yes on another one. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for online dating. Um, I think that what you want to be careful, uh, what you want to be careful with is you want to, you want to try to meet in person. And I know there's a lot of virtual romances, and especially, you know, if you're homebound, uh, you don't have family around, you know, these, these scammers, they will, they will get into your life. And that's not to say that there aren't legitimate, you know, uh, people out there who will, you know, who will speak to you over the phone and they'll develop, you know, relationships that way. But what you want to do is try to take it to the next step. Um, the more, the more physical contact you can have with them, the less likely they are to be a scam. Um, so that means, you know, doing like a Zoom meeting and, and, and having those meetings with someone else present, right? Um, when, when someone is trying to pull the wool over your eyes, it's easy to do it to one person when they control everything that you know about them. But it's very difficult to do that when there's two people there and one of the people involved does not have a, um, an emotional attachment to the relationship. They don't have an incentive to say, yes, this is legitimate, right? And, 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 and I just want to be clear. These are very legitimate relationships, these dating scams. They're very legitimate relationships. They will develop loving relationships with you. They will make you feel cared for and loved for and um, listened and heard in ways that your family probably isn't providing for you at that time, which is why they have this opportunity. But at the end of the day, they want something out of you. It's not a, it is not a true love relationship where it's you're both trying to support each other. It's a one-way street where their love is conditional on you doing things for them. Very interesting. So you said it's a one-way street. So that's, is that a typical red flag? And if it is, what are some of the others that people should look for when they're dating or talking with someone online? Yeah. And, and I, 
I just want to give the disclaimer here, right? I'm not a, a therapist. I'm not a social worker. I'm not a uh, relationship counselor. Um, but in my experience, and at least my understanding, that if you have a relationship where someone is, you know, constantly putting demands on you, um, and they're not being respectful of your needs and your boundaries, that's an unhealthy relationship. So whether that's online or not, right, that should be a red flag to you when you say no and the response from the other person is, well, find a way where you don't love me and they try to manipulate you. And it doesn't feel like manipulation. They'll create a very needy situation. But the second that you start objecting to doing something, they're going to ramp up the pressure and they're going to threaten to leave, threaten to take away their love. Right? Love is not based on um, I give you something, therefore you give me something. It's a, if you actually genuinely kill, care about the person, you're, you're going to want the best for them, right? Um, regardless of what that means for you, um, obviously in a healthy context. So a red flag is where it's a very dominating relationship, a very um, one-way street where they want things and if they don't get it, uh, they escalate. That's a red flag. Another red flag is... If they try to isolate you from your family, that's something very common that they'll do. And again, right, we're talking, there's usually a legitimate reason for that to happen. You're fighting with your daughters, you're fighting with your kids, right? You're, you're, um, you're going through something with your spouse and you start talking to somebody online and it starts out, you know, nice and fun and they're supporting you and they're taking your side in whatever situation you're dealing with. And it feels like, oh, I finally found an ally, mm -hmm. you know, then two weeks into the relationship, or it might even be two months into the relationship, something happens in their world and they need you to do something. And it's like, yeah, of course, you've been here for me for two months. I'm going to do something for you, except that thing that they ask you to do is going to be financial in nature, or it's going to be something that seems innocent, but isn't. Um, so one of the very common schemes is what's called uh, a money mule or a you know romance mule, where they will have they will build a relationship and then they'll say you know hey I'm getting a package delivered I can't have it delivered to my house I'll, uh, it's going to get delivered to your house and I just need you to go to the bank and deposit it or I just need you to uh, ship it out to the right place because they sent it to the wrong place. And it seems innocent, right? Like, oh, yeah, it's just a mistake, right? You know, and just a mistake and I'll take care of it. But it's not just a mistake. They're having you be part of their chain uh, in money laundering. And that's how they're evading the authorities. Uh, a real friend isn't going to accidentally send you a package. They're not going <laughs> to ask you to deposit money for them in the bank. They're not going to be stuck internationally without any access to money. But somehow they have access to Internet and phone to call you. Right. Like that doesn't make sense. Interesting. You know, I um, had a, an, an, an interesting situation where a long lost cousin of mine contacted me. He had all the right information. Uh, the only thing that was different is that he said he lived in Florida, of all places. And apparently he had uh, taken the information from my cousin and he was purporting or holding himself out liable as my cousin. And then. As you mentioned, a couple of months in, he asked me for 50 bucks and then it was $300. Now, on neither occasion did I give him any money, but are, is this something that you're seeing? And how do you know? 
I mean, I mean, it was quite a bit of detail that this individual had. How can you separate the, uh, the people who have this kind of information and make sure that you're protecting yourself? So there are a lot of basically everything about you is available online, right? Mm-hmm. It, it just is. If you if you know where to look, I can get your social security number. I can get your bank account numbers. I can get your credit card numbers. There literally is nothing about you that's pri- that's truly private, right? Um, and that's you know, so so it can't in in authenticating these people, right? In saying yes, you are legitimately my cousin, right? It's going to be very hard for you as if you haven't had you know consistent regular contact with them to be able to say you're my cousin and not a scammer pretending to be my cousin. Because if you think about the information that you would use to say, yes, this is my cousin versus this is not my cousin, most of it, everyone has access to, right? Or they can find it with enough digging. Now, the really the really scary ones, right? Um, and these, these people are insanely good at this, the social engineering, where um, I, I, I don't know if you've ever been to like a, va- a, a Vegas magic show, where yes. not like these mentalists on there and they're like, you know, this is your card. Right. And, you know, and on the board, we had written what you wrote down just now. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how are they doing that? The, the, the key to most of those tricks is that they get you to give them the information beforehand. You don't realize that you're giving them the information. They write it down and then they just appear to be one step ahead of you. And it's because of the way that they're presenting the information to you that our brain just kind of, you know, goes, oh, the story that they're saying makes sense. But the story that they're making us think is the story is not the story that's actually happening. And so really, right, uh, the only way to separate these people is to try to do things that can't be faked, right? So Zoom, right, if you're talking over the phone, right, say, let's jump on a Zoom. Right. And it's not just you. Let it be. Let there be someone else in the room. Right. Because you are going to be excited about meeting this person who you love, who who you've developed a relationship with, who, you know, you you actually have a legitimate relationship with this person. And you jump on a Zoom and do it with someone else who you do, who does not who does not have a relationship with them. Right. Your spouse, your child. Right. Your grandkid even. Um, because that person who doesn't have the emotional attachment will be able to spot all the little cues that we would ordinarily pick up. That if some random stranger walked up to us in the train station and started saying these things to us, we pick up that this is not normal, right? Because whether it's they keep tripping over things or when they, they say, you know, they, they try sharing a piece of information and we correct them that they're wrong. And then they'll make us think that they originally said the correct piece of information. And so us, because we're in a relationship, we'll overlook that fact. But our kid, our spouse, or the person who we have who's not in a relationship with that person is going to spot it. And they're going to see a whole bunch of those as red flags. Got it. They're going to be able to spot that. And it's really, you need someone who has perspective and you need need to acknowledge that when you're in love, right, we're blind. Love is blind. And these people are insanely good at getting us to fall in love with them, getting us to push away the people we love so that there's no one else around us to tell us that this is wrong. And then they're, they're going to pull out every piece of information from us possible so that it seems like they've known us forever. Libel, we got to leave it right there for this segment. 
This is Libel on Fire. He's the best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety. We're talking about elder abuse and dating scams, and we'll be back with more. Thanks for listening to this episode of Libel on Fire. If you have questions about today's topic, please submit them on our Facebook group at libelonfire.com slash Facebook. And if you would like a free signed copy of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity, visit libelonfire.com. Now, back to Libel on Fire. Welcome back to Libel on Fire. I'm talking with Amazon's best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety, and, and we've had a robust conversation to this point. Uh, you really have me concerned about how to really protect myself from uh, elder abuse, from people who are just scamming, who are really, really sharp at separating individuals from their money. I'm wondering, Libel, have you ever been scammed in this way? I have been scammed this way. Um, really? I, yeah. Um, I had, it nearly made me go bankrupt. I had, this was back in 2011, I had a client who I had a client who was, you know, giving us job after job and he kept giving us, you know, this was, um, you know, the, this was, I don't know if you remember, it was like, you know, the market, the, the economy was just recovering from 2008, but things were still very tight. And this guy came, you know, came to us, he found us and he was giving us these big orders and usually I'd be a little skeptical, um, but, you know, he was talking the talk and walking the walk and it seemed fine. And his credit card was going through. Um, and then, you know, uh, a month into the relationship, he's like, you know, uh, his car, his credit card got declined. And I was like, you know, what, um, you know, uh, the credit card got declined. What do you want us to use? And he gave me a credit card with a different address and a different person's phone number on it. And a, a different person's name and a different person's address. And I'm like, you know, who is this person? He's like, oh, that's my business partner. I'm like, well, we, you know, want to get a signed agreement. We want to, you know, talk to them to verify this is a large purchase. And somehow this person was able to convince me over a period of like two months that it was okay for me to proceed. He kept coming up with very legitimate sounding reasons and he would produce documents for me that made me go, yeah, okay, this is, you know, this makes sense. This is okay. It's his business. We can go forward with this. Fast forward six months, nine months. I, I don't remember what it was, but all of a sudden I started, the bank started pulling money out of my account and I called them up and I'm like, what's going on here? And he said, oh, well, those transactions that you did back, you know, uh, you know, six months ago, a year ago uh, for this person, they were fraud and they reported it to their credit card company. And so we're reversing it. And oh, no. yeah, I, and over a period of time, it was it was it was like every single month it was it was something that was like, you know, ten fifteen thousand dollars was being pulled out. But this wasn't, you know, when when it's being pulled out that way, it's it, it's it's your profit, right? That's being pulled out. And so now you have to make up not what you lost, but, you know, twice that or three times that in order to be able to make it back. And so we were working, you know, you know, three times harder, four times harder just to break even um, because of this. And, it, you know, you would think, right, me working with financial advisors, super savvy, dealing with this all the time. But he was able to say the right things that made me believe. And then and then he just disappeared. 
He just disappeared. The credit card companies, the cops, nobody ever found who this person is. He never, apparently none of the information he gave anybody was ever legit. He bought a list of stolen credit cards and was just using them. Wow. So how, how does a person dig themselves out of a situation like that once they realize that, oops, okay, I just got scammed. What do you do next? So I would say really the, the first thing and the hardest thing is to accept that you've been scammed. Um, because it is that I think is the hardest thing to accept that the relationship that you've developed with this person over a period of time. And I think it's important to say that, right. It's, it, it isn't just, you got a pop up on your screen and it was a scam. It wasn't just an email from Nigeria. It was, you developed a relationship with another person who was on the other side of that phone, who was talking to you. For a long period of time, who knew intimate details about you, who you shared laughs and cries and all that stuff with, they were doing it for their own purposes and for their own personal gains. And you got something out of it, but they it was a really a one-way street. Um, and so I think I think accepting that is the first part, and that's the hardest part because a lot of people, and I've heard of I've heard older people say this, you know, they're at home, they're lonely, they're, these people call, they develop a relationship with them. Sometimes it's multiple people, because once you get on one of these lists and they're like, oh, we can get money out of them, they sell your information. And now you become more valuable and more people start calling you. Wow. Sudden, you have this whole community surrounding you of these people who are telling you that you're this amazing person and you do, you're doing great and they're going to build this a wonderful life with you and they can't wait to meet you. But they have no intention of doing that. Um, and it's they're they're giving you, you know, they're just pushing that dopamine button in your in your brain nonstop. Um, so how much of this is reported? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming in the scenario that you just outlined about yourself, did you report it? And do you think that people there's an underreporting of these kinds of scams? And if so, why is that? Great question. So in the scam, you know, I was kind of like on the opposite end of the scam, so to speak, that, you know, so the elder, you know, older people, you know, they're the ones who stole the credit cards are getting stolen and who are giving the money. And I was right. on the other side where I was being, I was like, I was, I was somewhere in the middle, but he was using me to help facilitate scams. And I don't know what he was doing. Um, but I, I mean, in reporting it, the credit cards, the cops knew about it um, because the individual people whose credit cards were stolen were reporting them. Um, and when I looked into what my options were, it was like, you know, get, get in line, right? The credit card company is giving back their money. The credit card company wrote it off because to them, it wasn't even worth pursuing. They just accept that this type of stuff happens. And then, you know, basically everyone else is left holding the bag. Now, those people who, you know, it was their credit cards that were stolen, they're lucky, right? Credit cards will give you your money back. But how many people have had to give Bitcoin or they've given, um, you know, uh, checks or cash or money orders? You don't get any of that money back and it's untraceable. Um, so first step is, you know, a, you know, admitting that that happened. Second step is report file a police report, right? If you've been involved or even you even suspect that the relationship that you have, right? If you're being asked to do something that doesn't seem 100% kosher, just call the cops and ask. They, every police department has a financial fraud division. Um, there's also, you can call the local FBI office. There's you know financial crimes or cyber crimes. 
um, and they will they'll walk you through it. They have people who specialize in this, and they'll tell you, "Is this legit? Is this not legit? This is what you should do." Um, but step number one, right? File a police report because until you file a, a police report, you can't do anything. Step number two: contact your banks, contact you know your financial institutions because chances are that once you cut off your ties from the scammers, they're going to try to use the information they have to pull in for, to pull money out of your banks. So you want to you know change your accounts, you want to put restrictions on them. And I highly recommend this. I highly recommend that you get a family member involved who oversees, you know, who has access to your to your finances, who can go through so that if something happens in there, if money comes out, or if you accidentally give money to somebody and you know you get caught up again in another relationship like that, that someone will be there to see that and they can help protect you. We're talking about scams, everyone, elder abuse and dating scams. And you talked about getting a family member involved. And I recall reading a report that says if you involve a family member and it's a husband and wife, the, that each other are the worst person to get involved. You need a third person in order to help. Do you buy into that? For solving the problem, um, husband and wife is tough, right? Because husband and wife, it's a very intimate relationship. And that means that that means that means that that as much as you love them, you hate them, right? Um, mm-hmm. And there's that. So there's that constant tug and pull. And when you're dealing with, you know, how do you go to your loved one, your spouse, and say, "I was I was feeling lonely, and so I started talking to an internet man and gave him, you know, twenty thousand dollars, or I gave him our life savings," right? That's not yeah. a conversation you can really have easily. Uh, I thought I was planning for our future and look what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the temptation to try to dig yourself out, which they, again, these scammers are really great at engineering the social situation. So they will make you believe that there is an out, that they just need a little bit more money and then everything is going to be okay. And that's how they get you deeper and deeper into the hole and to give them more and more money. Cause it's, it starts out with 50 bucks. I just need a bus ticket. And then it's I $300, you know, I need, I need a plane ticket or I need a, I got, you know, arrested and I need to post bail. And then it's, they're holding all of my possessions and they won't let me out of the country. And then, you know, you give them that money and it's they're you know, they come up with some other excuse, right? And it just keeps escalating and keeps escalating. And at this point, it's, well, as soon as he comes back, as soon as he's has access to his money, which he'll get, as soon as I give him this money, he's going to be able to give me all my money back, right? Mm-hmm. He's be able to do that. And, is, there a, yeah. is there a special hotline number that we can call? And do you have reports uh, with yields for you that speak to this? So I do not have reports, but I should create some. I, sh- I should definitely create some. In terms of hotlines, the, the FBI does have a hotline for financial crimes. Uh, so you can go to their website, you can Google it and it'll come up. Um, but your local police department and the FBI, you want those are the two people you want to contact. And your local police department is probably going to be more helpful. Uh, FBI, though, um, they do have counselors, right? So once you file that police report, go to the FBI, 
harass the FBI to get them to open up a case. Once they open up a case, they can send someone out to talk to you, right? And if this happened to someone you love, right? Let's say your spouse was the, the victim of this or your parent, um, you can, you, you get them to file that police report and then you call FBI and you have the FBI come out to counsel them because as a victim of the, these crimes, right? It's, it's, you, you really have to think of yourself as an abuse victim. It is no different than somebody who has been in an emotionally abusive relationship. Um, they, it's, they've, you've been manipulated, you've been uh, tormented, you've been played with, and you have, you start to doubt your reality. And you need somebody who understands that and can, understands what you're going through to be able to talk to you about that. And so there are people who can help. Uh, you just need to reach out and find them and be a little persistent. Libo, we just have a couple of minutes left, not even that, but what advice would you give to folks who are afraid to report elder abuse or dating scams or admit to anyone, even law professionals, that uh, someone has taken their money and it's because of something that that individual has done? You need to not be thinking about yourself, right? And they, this is the trap that most people fall into. It's well, I already lost my money. I'm okay with losing it. It's not about you. It's about everyone else. Think about your friend who, who's going to lose all their money and what will happen to them, right? And it's not just that friend. It's all of your friends because for every person who doesn't talk about it, there's so many more who, who are experiencing the same thing. And so if you come out and say it, it gives one more data point to the FBI, to law enforcement, to be able to narrow in on these people and shut them down. And the more that we normalize this and talk about it and say, this is something that's happening in our society, this is something that we experience, the less they're going to be able to do this to us. And so you need to speak up, not just for yourself, but for everyone else who is a victim and is also afraid to speak up or thinks that they're the only one who this is happening to. It's the only way we can stop this. All right. That's Libel Sternbach. He's a best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and also the author of the book Authenticity. That website, again, is yields4u.com, yields, the number four, the letter u.com. This is Libel on Fire. Thank you so much for being with us. That's all the time we have for this episode of Libel on Fire, the financial independence and retirement show dedicated to helping you build the life of your dreams. If you have questions about today's topic, please submit them in our Facebook group at libelonfire.com slash Facebook. And if you would like a free copy of Libel's books, Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity, visit libelonfire.com. Thanks for listening. Koppel Advisory Solutions is an SEC-registered investment advisor and only transacts business in states where the firm is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. Registration as an investment advisor is not an endorsement of the firm by securities regulators and does not mean that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. All investment strategies can result in profit or loss. Information presented on this program is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Discussion should not be construed as any offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell the investments mentioned. Annuity guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Content should not be viewed as legal or tax advice. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation.